Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children 18 plus, you are tuned in to the Loan Officer Podcast with me, Dustin Owen, and my main man, JC. John Coleman. Dio, what's poppin'? What's poppin', JC? How you doing, man? I'm doing good. Do you have a new shirt? Yeah, you I'm know. digging it. You know, I went a little bit more left in the closet this time. Yes. Yeah. No, it works out perfect. Thanks, man. Um, it's I'm I'm happy to be back here. Yes. Like controlled environment. Controlled environment. We yeah. had that awesome episode with Brian View. Shout out Brian View. Shout out to Brian View. Shout out to Finn Locker. Mm-hmm. Um but it forced you and I to get in the car, drive to a remote location, right. and we set up at this hotel, which, by the way, badass hotel. Nice hotel. Yep. Uh, Omni Champions Gate, just south of downtown Orlando, where there's a Lenders One conference going on. But we're kind of set up, and there's there's people walking by. Unself-aware people. And some are unself-aware, yes. Um, some were yodeling. God. You know, one lady, that one lady walked by, and she's like, oh, I'm so sorry. Thank you. Common sense. Yes. But then there's the group that was stood about 100 feet from us, and I think they were yelling at each other. I mean, yelling, but it was also not carpeted, so it was tight. It was, you know, not tight, marble floors or whatever, and then it just echoed. And then they saw us, like, kind of looking at them, and they just proceeded to continue talking loudly in front of each other. So, Well, for those that tuned into that episode, we thank you. Thank you. Right? Um, for those of you that are checking us out for the first time or you're looking for that episode, it was a great episode with Brian View. Brian View is the COO of Finlocker. Finlocker is a financial technology company. Mm-hmm. And we talked about not just what Finlocker does, but really the future of the mortgage industry and how technology is going to alter mm. the way that the industry operates. Right. So it's a really awesome episode for anyone who plans on being in this industry for another five, 10, or 25 years. All right. You should tune into it. Right. If you're wondering where to tune into it, you can check us out on Spotify. You can check us out on Apple Podcast, Google Play, or really anywhere that you find audio versions of podcasts. Mm-hmm. Now, we're a little bit unique because we're a podcast, but we also have a YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. That YouTube channel is at the Loan Officer Podcast or the Loan Officer Podcast. Mm-hmm. You can subscribe. You can comment. You can make requests, and you can actually watch us as well as listen to us. Beautiful faces. Yep, and if you are tuning in on any one of those platforms or mediums for the first time, please be sure to subscribe. Please be sure to give us a review. We prefer five-star reviews, only if you think that we're doing a five-star job or we're giving out five-star quality. Share us. Share us with your coworkers, with your friends. Our goal with the content is to produce content for real estate professionals, mortgage professionals, or anybody who is interested in ever owning a home. There you go. When we put that together, that's like 75% of the American populace, if not 80%. That's what I was about to say. We also teach shit that should have been taught to you in school, but wasn't. Mm. Right? That's our goal here on TLOP. There you go. Now, today's episode, we're going to geek out with some industry stuff. Super nerdy. But again, if you sell real estate, you should be tuned in. If you finance real estate, you should be tuned in. And if you ever want to purchase a home and you need a mortgage to do so, this episode is going to be for you because Fannie Mae has dropped a serious kaboom bomb on the industry, which very well could be a positive okay. bomb. Okay. You want to talk about it? Let's do it. Yeah. What do you know about Fannie Mae? I know that it's a government body similar to Freddie Mac that the government instituted to help home ownership become a reality for Americans. That's a good answer, John Coleman. Not bad from from a uh, <laughs> from a media specialist, videographer, producer yeah. of a podcast, Grammy uh, or Emmy I mean, Award yeah. winning content creator. Yeah, I think I you know I listened to you a couple of times, but I think I've learned. Man, look at that. Talking about just being a, a, a host, a producer of a podcast Osmosis. and what you've learned. How far off was that though? Hey, you're close enough. <laughs> I mean, look, you're better than the average bear. Right. I would always um, 
describe Fannie Mae as a quasi-government agency. Quasi-government because it's a publicly traded entity. Mm. It's kind of really not quasi-government any longer because it's been under conservatorship mm. since uh, the financial collapse of 2008 and um, the creation of the FHFA. Mm. But it's a quasi-government agency. It was put together to create liquidity in the marketplace mm. so that banks and lenders could aggressively and safely go out and offer long-term fixed debt instruments mm. to people looking to purchase real estate. Okay. A little bit more of a... For example, without Fannie Mae and their stepbrother, Freddie Mac, mm -hmm. we would not have 30-year fixed, 15-year fixed, 20-year fixed mortgages. Mm. That is the liquidity facility that is created so that banks and lenders can deliver loans to Fannie, deliver loans to Freddie. They then securitize them, turning in, turn, turn them into a bond. Mm. And then those bonds get traded and they get purchased by hedge funds and pensions and right. um, et cetera, right. right? So when Fannie Mae creates a new rule, there's a, there's a trickle down effect. Fannie Mae is gonna, gonna um, dictate the direction of conventional financing. Now Fannie Mae is not jumbo financing, which I know we do have listeners asking us to do a show on jumbo financing. And if we can, we'll do a show on jumbo financing. It may be a better topic for tloponline.com or the loanofficialpodcast.com yeah. once you and Dennis get that website finally launched, which I understand is taking you guys forever and a day, but I do understand it's because we have weeks, if not months of content yeah. that you're trying to get edited and uploaded onto a website, to, but without the website working like snail's pace, right? <laughs> there you go. So, Anyone who's tuned in is like, yeah, you guys have been teasing this damn website for like three months now. Mm -hmm. Blame me for why it's not out. Do not blame JC. Do not blame Dennis. Basically, I'm asking them to create like a masterpiece first time out. <laughs> and it's because of the, the amount of content we right. have. So no, when when we talk about jumbo financing, jumbo financing does is, is not a Fannie Freddie product. Mm. Right? A jumbo loan is any loan that is that is more than what Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac will allow for a maximum loan size. Gotcha. Okay. And Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac is just conventional financing and Fannie and Freddie aren't the same, but they're kind of like half siblings, okay. you know, not quite brother and sister, but maybe like they share a father who came first. Fannie. Fannie was first. Yep. Then Freddie came second. There you go. Yep. And they're kind of built uh, to, to uh, in a way compete against each other, but kind of do the same thing as well. Mm. So Fannie is doing these changes we're going to talk about today. There's a good chance no, Freddie's no. going to follow suit. Gotcha. Okay. There's a really good chance. Nothing has been announced yet, but typically that's what happens. Mm -hmm. Now, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, conventional financing does not mean FHA loans. FHA, which is a great loan product, still a 30-year fixed instrument. That comes from the Department of Housing Urban Development, or HUD. Mm -hmm. VA loans come from the Department of Ed and Affairs. And USDA loans, or RD, Rural Development Loans, mm -hmm. come from the United States Department of Agriculture. Okay. All right? And they all have their own rules, their own guidelines, and their own ways of delivering loans and getting those loans securitized and sold off in the secondary market. When you hear secondary market, you would hear like stocks and bonds. Think mm -hmm. Wall Street. Mm -hmm. Think big investment bankers, pension uh, companies, retirement funds, life insurance companies. Like, they invest in these particular bonds. Okay. Whew. All right. Gotcha. So, on August 11th, so just last week, Fannie Mae came out, and for the first time in my memory, which goes back almost two decades, they're making some changes that could be hella, hella positive. Yeah. For anyone looking to finance 
real estate okay for purchase like typically the way things were done the way that i was taught in this industry when john and his wife look to purchase a home and they want to qualify for financing jointly they're gonna pull john's credit mm -hmm. they're gonna pull his wife's credit mm -hmm. they're gonna take john's middle score they're gonna take the wife's middle score and they're going to use the lower right. of the two yeah well that's all well and good if you know john and wife have She's a 760, he's a 740. Okay, we use a 740, we rock and roll. All good. She's a 680, he's a 720. 680's not bad, it's average. Yeah. We'll use a 680, we'll rock and roll. Okay. What happens if he's a 600 and she's a 700? Um, and problems. Big problems. Yeah, all of a sudden now we need to drop John from the loan application. Here's the problem. John's income was $60,000 a year, mm -hmm. wife's income is sixty thousand. They make a buck twenty a year or ten thousand dollars a month gross. Mm -hmm. They should be able to qualify and afford a twenty five hundred dollar a month mortgage payment when you include taxes, insurance, HOA dues, and mortgage insurance with yeah. the principal and interest. Yeah. But I can't qualify you, John, because I have to exclude you from the loan application. Mm. Ooh. It's gonna mess up the DTI. Yeah. DTI is gonna be all out of whack. And if you've tuned into enough of these shows, You'll hear me say things like, hey, it's all about the DTI. We qualify people, in my opinion, based off of their DTI before we do anything else. So Fannie's been doing some um, retrospective, internal, looking in the mirror mm -hmm. type things. They're like, yeah, you know what? Credit score isn't really a driving force as much as other factors are when it comes to our ability to approve a loan and determine that loan is going to perform by perform. I mean, people are going to pay on time, right? right? Pretty simple. Right. We measure performance based on your ability to pay us on time. Mm -hmm. So for the first time ever, they're going to let you take your 600 credit score. They're going to average it with your wife's 700 credit score uh -oh. and let you qualify off a 650 credit score. Oh. Ooh, that is awesome. Yeah. And I need people tuned in to understand that is awesome. But understand this too. We don't know how awesome it's going to be or how awesome it's not going to be. There's been many things that Fannie Mae has done throughout the past two decades that sounded awesome that helped limited people. Limited, like maybe less than a thousand. Mm. One of those is HAMP, Home Affordability Modification Program. It sounded amazing that Fannie Mae was going to allow all these lenders to modify the mortgages of people who are upside down. But in reality, I think it helped less than 10,000 homeowners across the U.S. So it wasn't that big. So it wasn't that big. Yeah. There's, um, there's a recent refinance program that Fannie Mae rolled out, and they made it sound amazing where they're going to help people who could have high loan-to-values, could, could have average credit, who maybe didn't have access to refinancing at today's super low rates mm -hmm. because of higher loan to values or because of average credit, they're gonna allow them to refinance their mortgage and lower their payment. Sounds great. They also threw in that the median, uh, that the, the income had to be uh, X percent of the median household income. And at the end of the day, there's just not that many people. No. There's not that many people that fit all three buckets, mm -hmm. right? They're at 80% of, of area median income or what, what we call AMI plus they have high LTV, plus they have um, yeah. middle middle to average credit. 
So to me, that was a sizzle. It didn't have much much substance. Are those programs like still going on? Like when they introduce those programs, if they don't really work, do they fizzle out or are they still available in perpetuity? I don't know. I I would guess that the HAMP program, the Home Affordability Modification Mm -hmm. Program, is done. But the refinance program was just announced like three months ago. So, yeah, it's still still around. But I don't know. I mean, here out of the branch that that I get to be a part of and, and manage, we close well over 200 loans per month of which 25% of those are refinances, mm-hmm. right? So a decent percentage, like, you know, roughly 50, right? 50 of the 200. Mm-hmm. In some months it's 300, but let's just say 200 for, for, for a average or low, low ball number. I don't think out of those 50 for the past three months, have we apt disclosed or locked in one of these mm-hmm. new refinance programs? Mm-hmm. Sounded good. In reality, not going to help that many people. Mm-hmm. This new change where they're going to allow us to average credit, it still is unknown. It sounds great on surface and don't get me wrong. I'm super pumped and excited. Like I said earlier, I've been at this for 20 years, just about 20 years, right? 17 years and never in once in my career have I been able to average John's 580 to his wife's 720 Mm -hmm. and come up with a usable credit score. Do you, have, do you have any red flags that go off? They're like, oh, this could be good, but... Let's talk about the unknowns. Okay. Here's what we don't know. Here's why it's too... It's way too soon. Mortgage professionals and real estate professionals. If you're hopping on your social media platforms to get this message out, please slow your roll. Just slow it. We don't know enough. Use this episode of this podcast to properly get the messaging out, which is, hey, great news dot, 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 we think, hey, changes are coming. Make sure you loop back with me in September when I actually know what the hell is going on. Like we need to be the mouthpieces of our industry. We need to be the experts. We need to be on the forefront of what is going on, but we need to do it responsibly. Mm -hmm. Okay. So yeah, so it it sounds awesome, but here's what I don't know. Well, if the borrower is not putting 20% down, what has to happen? Uh, you, oh, you get PMI. Yes, emergency. yes, you need you need PMI. I have no idea, nor do my friends who work in PMI. They don't know how available is PMI going to be. Hmm. Are these mortgage insurance companies going to be willing to write a mortgage insurance policy for for John who has a 580 credit score? Hmm. And if they are willing, at what premium? At what price? Will it make sense? Or will that premium be so high you now don't qualify or what you do qualify for is a lot less because your DTI is much higher? Mm-hmm. All right. I also don't know about pricing. I do know this. I know that anyone listening can go to their Google machine and they can Google Fannie Mae LLPA. Lima, Lima, Paris, Alpha. Okay. Loan level pricing adjustment. And you can see that there are pricing adjustments for your FICO, for your credit score. There's also pricing adjustments for LTV, whether it's an investment property or a condo, whether it, you know it's a single family home or a condo, an investment property or a primary home, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know what the LLPA is like when I'm using an average credit score and one of my borrowers is a 580 and one of them is a, is a 720. Right. I know before it was, well, we dropped the 580. I can't mm-hmm. use you because Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac have a minimum credit score of 620. And I would just go off the 720, yeah. assuming they qualified. Yeah. 
do I, so then my question is, well, do I, do I price everyone like they're a 620? Cause that's the bottom bucket, right? Fannie and Freddie, in this case, it's Fannie. Mm -hmm. Their minimum credit score is still a 620. What they're trying to do is average borrowers together to get more people above the 620. Mm -hmm. But then do I, do I price the loan at the 620, which is the bare minimum? Cause technically one of the borrowers is below 620, right? Mm -hmm. Or do I price it at the average credit score? If it's 660, then it's 660. If it's 680, it's 680. Yeah, yeah. We, we don't know that. Mm. And also don't know this. I've never run one of these files through Fannie Mae's desktop underwriter, DU we call it. Oh, okay. All of these loan files, these are not manual underwrites. We utilize computers, ladies and gentlemen. In our industry, we utilize computers. 99% of every loan that's being originated is utilizing some kind of a computer program. Right. We call them AUS, Automated Underwriting System or software. And it spits out A, whether or not it'll accept or approve our loan, whether or not we're eligible. Sometimes it tells us if we're not, why we're not. Mm -hmm. So we, the industry, we haven't run any one of these through Fannie Mae's DU. Damn. So I can't tell you how conservative how strict, how restrictive or not their system's going to be. And guess what, John? Oh, their system does not become available to us until September 18th. So what do you mean? That doesn't give us a lot of time to test it. Well, how about this? Today's date. I forget. September's like next next week. But no, today's date's August 16th. Uh, August By the time you drop this, it's going to be August 18th or something. Yeah. Yep. 17th, 18th, when mm -hmm. people are listening and tuning into this for the first time. We have three weeks before you can even run something through. Now, once I can run something through, I still need a X amount of, of data right. before I can start hitting my social media and talking about how great this enhancement is or how or what a swing and miss it was. That sounds like it's going to be a backlog of everything. And once it hits the pipeline, a lot of shit's going to hit the fan potentially. We don't know. Yeah. We don't know. I think the message today needs to be great things are coming. So we think we don't have enough information. Stay tuned. As we hear more, we'll get more out to you. Mm -hmm. But this don't drop until September 18th, which is a Saturday, by the way. Right? So Saturday's the 18th, Sunday's the 19th. So September 20th is a Monday. Let me, my team of loan officers and processors and loan partners, let us start running these types of loans through our system, loans that before we never did. So I don't care if you're brand new in the business or you're a 30 year veteran, you ain't never done one of these before. First time ever. You don't know what you're doing. You, you have not read Fannie Mae's desktop underwriter findings. You won't be able to read, uh, read them until you can get them and you can't get them until after September 18th. Hmm. So we don't, we haven't run it through. We haven't priced out mortgage insurance. We haven't priced out the actual loan. We, we don't know, is it going to accept a loan with a 42% back-end debt-to-income ratio, or is it going to require a 36? All this is unknown. And if people are saying otherwise, now, if you're tuned into this and it's September 20th or beyond, <laughs> yeah. because look, one of the best parts about a podcast and, and YouTube channels, it has shelf life, mm -hmm. like for an eternity. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I think, how cool is that? How cool is that? Like maybe my grandkids could go back and yeah, watch like, oh this. My God. They'll cringe. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, Big Daddy D. Big Daddy D. I hope they don't call you that. Oh my gosh. Have I told you that? You're going to have a real funny rabbit hole. Let's go. So, my kids and I love to mess with my wife, mm -hmm. like sit at the dinner table. And so, we have convinced her that my 
children's children, so my mm-hmm. unborn grandkids, if my kids actually procreate, mm-hmm. are going to call her Meemaw. No. And me, Big Daddy D. Like, uh, like on the birth certificate? No, 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 no. They're going to call us. Like, like, oh, what, gotcha, like, gotcha. Like, what, no, like, like my kids call my parents Papa, Nana. Nana yeah, yeah, Nana gotcha. and Papa. Big they call my, my, okay. my wife's parents, gotcha. Grandma and Grandpa. So when they say, who's that? No, that's not your grandfather. That's Big Daddy D. That's Big Daddy D. Jesus. <laughs> and Meemaw. <laughs> Nice. Only because my wife doesn't like that. She right. wants something like hip and cool, like yeah, you grandma. know, nah, like Mickey, which oh. is cool because that's like actually what her grandparents called her when she was a little kid. Oh, really? Yeah, she was named after her father, Michael. Oh, and he was Mickey. I mean, he's an O'Connor, right? So Mick O'Connor, right? From Chicago, right. like it doesn't get any more Irish than that. All right. So, and she was the oldest um, and first grandchild born on that side of the family. There you go. So he was Michael. She was Michelle. He was Mick. She was Mickey. Nice. So, yeah, it's kind of cute, right? All right, total rabbit hole. Fine. Don't even know how I got on that. Besides, Oh, I was talking about the shelf life of podcasts. So if you're listening and it's after September 20th, then, hey, I guess you know more about this than I do here on August 17th. Yeah, drop it in the comments. Let us know. Yeah, well, and I assume we're going to end up doing another show about this. We are going to do a follow-up show. But I just need people to understand that... We think this is good, but we don't have enough information yet. Question for you. Why would they? The, the purpose of it is to be good. Okay. The purpose is to be good. But in life, there's massive swings and misses. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've held company events. We've held trainings. We've held um, uh, seminars that the, the intent was positive. The outcome mm-hmm. was a waste of time, waste of money. Mm-hmm. Like that just happens in life. How many times did you go out and buy your spouse or your girlfriend or your boyfriend a gift and it blew up in their face? Like I once planned a birthday surprise for my wife and she hated it. Word to the wise, do not do a beach getaway for your spouse for their birthday and invite her parents and your parents. Sounds like a disaster. I thought it sounded like an awesome like get together. My wife was like. You need to vet that. Yes, yes, yeah. <laughs> Our next door neighbor Karen was like, right. "Do you should have just asked me? I would have told you it was a yeah, terrible, yeah, terrible idea." Terrible idea. Yeah. So there's things in life that we do it with a good intent, mm-hmm. but it just backfires. It doesn't work out like we planned. So what was Fannie Mae's intent with this? Was it to oh out? the goal? Yeah, the other goal was the, the ultimate goal from anyone in, in our industry is to somehow get to the underserved communities. Okay. How do we get to the underserved communities and teach them the power of home ownership? Like we talk about on this episode, like on, on this, episode, on this mm-hmm. podcast mm-hmm. all the time. And John, something you and I are going to need to do is going to be our calling. And we'll probably loop in with people like Brian Young with Home Lending Pal, who's been a guest on the show a year ago. Shout out Brian. And shout out to Brian and, and others, uh, Tony Thompson with Namba. Mm-hmm. We need to find a way to bring our voice and our experiences to the underserved communities. Mm-hmm. What What section or segment of the U.S. populace is not valuing homeownership. They have, they don't know the, the power of the wealth generating. Mm-hmm. Let's bring the message to them. Fannie Mae's trying to do it with some of their actions. Gotcha. Fannie Mae's trying to say, hey, how many people out there aren't buying just because, you know, collectively they could afford it and their rent, their rent is, is. Damn near mortgage payment. Yeah, well, what's going up quicker, rent or home prices? I don't know, they're both skyrocketing. Yeah. Right, home, home prices I do see are going to settle and subside. I'm not that convinced about the rent prices. Mm. Right, and at least once you get your home price purchased, it's, that price is locked in, and your mortgage payment's locked in. Mm-hmm. Rent, that mm-hmm. shit's never Every, locked in. Always going up. Yeah. Um, so it, the, the the purpose is to expand the amount of people that could benefit from home ownership by 
by looking at credit score and saying, you know what, credit score itself isn't that big of a determining factor. Mm -hmm. There's other things such as payment shock. What does payment shock mean? Well, what are you paying currently in rent? How does that correlate to the mortgage payment that you're going to make? Mm -hmm. How long have you been on your job? How are you paid? You know, do you have a good job history and your income is guaranteed? What type of assets do you have? What type of reserve assets? How much skin in the game are you willing to put? You're willing to put 10% down and you're still left with four months of payments left over and you've been on your job for six years? Your 590 credit score, especially if it's because you lack credit or you had a couple boo-boos from five, mm -hmm. six, seven years ago, or there's a medical collection or a medical issue, that shouldn't prevent us from doing a loan for you, especially if you have someone else on that loan to counterbalance you. Mm. Now, there's a couple of things I do need to mention that are on this particular, I have it sitting on the desk right here. I don't know which camera to hold it to. This is what it looks like. By the way, if you're a loan originator, you can sign up on Fannie Mae's website to have um, notifications sent to you every time there's a new lender uh -huh. letter or, or release done. Good to know. Yes. I actually received this from one of my loan officers <laughs> oh, yeah. last week before it even came from my corporate office because that loan officer is signed up with oh. Fannie Mae to be notified. Nice. Yeah, which, which was pretty cool. And it was, hey, Dio, have you read about this? Luckily, I had been on a couple calls with the leadership group and we were already talking about it, but I hadn't read it yet. Right. So he was the first person that actually sent it to me to read. And he's just a normal, productive, professional loan officer who takes his craft seriously and subscribes to industry-related publications, mm -hmm. which if you listen to this, uh, this show enough, we're a huge proponent of, mm -hmm. whether it's Housing Wire, whether it's subscribing to Dan Rowich's service or 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 Dave Savage or Barry Habib or Rob Christman, like, mm -hmm. you know, MBA Newslink, like there's enough services out there to the, so that you can stay educated. But here's what I want you to understand. I have seen through my connections in social media, people are trying to state that this particular release, these, these notes are, all, are, are stating that for an individual borrower, we're now going to average your three credit scores. No. I haven't read that. Mm. Full disclosure, I haven't read it. I don't think that's true. Now, I also haven't picked up the phone and called Fannie Mae. I haven't gone and utilized Ask Polly, which are two things I could have done before you and I sat down and laid down this track. But I'm pretty sure as I read this update, this averaging of credit scores is always when you, is, is only when you have a borrower and a co-borrower. I will stand corrected if and when I hear emphatically otherwise. But right now, my understanding is if it's an individual home buyer, which we call borrowers in the industry, we're still going to choose your middle credit score. So if you have a 580, a 620, and a 640, we're going to use your 620 because 620 is the middle credit score. Mm. We're not going to average the three together. Mm. If that changes, I'll find a way, maybe through our Instagram mm. uh, page or our Facebook page or on LinkedIn or even on TikTok. Heck, maybe all four. Mm -hmm. all four we're on all four. Mm -hmm. If you want to follow us, check us out at the Loan Officer Podcast, but I will make that correction there. Mm -hmm. All right, there's one other thing I want to talk about. Okay. Because I think this one is hyperbole. I think this one is sizzle, no substance, mm. or minimal substance. Okay. Fannie Mae has also announced that they are going to create a way for us as lenders and them as a GSE, government-sponsored entity, to include in their underwriting factoring or their calculation when we utilize their automated underwriting system, their AUS, which is called DU, desktop underwriter, that 
we can include timely rent payments in the total picture of whether or not someone should qualify. Mm. Okay, that sounds good. Mm -hmm. That sounds good. My problem with it and why I think it's sizzle without substance is that when you look at what has to transpire in order to use the rent payments as a positive in order to elicit an approval versus a refer, refer means we're referring you to, to uh, renting again. Yeah, right. We're referring you to restructuring this loan. Like you, you don't qualify the, the, with the current way that the loan is structured. The intent is that if you have someone who is not going to qualify, but we can prove that they have made 12 months of on-time consecutive rent payments mm -hmm. that they'll now factor in those consecutive on-time rent payments and maybe it'll push them from, from not qualifying to qualifying. Okay. But here's where all the caveats, I believe, put up too many roadblocks for this to really make sense or make it plausible. Mm -hmm. A, rent has to be more than $300. Okay, that's pretty that's easy exactly, to overcome. Yeah, yeah. It has to be proven electronically. Mm -hmm. So as a lender, and not every lender subscribes to this and not every borrower feels comfortable doing this, you have to utilize some of the highest and best te technologies that are available to where the buyer is given the lender access to 12 months of their bank statements electronically. Mm -hmm. Then the system, the computer system, has to then read 12 months of the consumer's bank statements. They have to see where for 12 consecutive months, the same exact rent payment has gone out, mm -hmm. usually like via an ACH, mm -hmm. at which point it'll see that the payments, how much they were, that they were paid on time. Okay. Right now, less than a third of every loan that's being originated in the United States of America is utilizing this type of technology. Now, Fannie Mae rolled the technology out three plus years ago. It's called D1C, Day One Certainty. It allows, theoretically, a lender to be able to underwrite your file, John Coleman, without ever having to have you send us bank statements, pay stubs, W-2s, or tax returns. That sounds awesome. That does sound awesome. But it's awesome if... You've been with the same bank mm. for the past twelve plus months. Right. If your employer subscribes to the services that we need to utilize, mm -hmm. if your income is pretty straightforward and not variable, i.e., commission, overtime, mm -hmm. bonus, mm -hmm. shift differential, ten ninety nine versus. I mean, it on on the banking side. Does your bank subscribe to this? A lot of back end do systems. you do you always pay? out of the same bank account. Some people have five, six different bank accounts. Mm -hmm. Do sometimes you pay and sometimes your girlfriend or your spouse pays? Mm -hmm. Like when you're talking about rent. And then you start thinking about, well, the people in general who are paying rent and they have it set up for an ACH and they have had the same bank account for the past 12 plus months, are they the same people that are being underserved? Or to those people, because they have those characteristics mm. of the same rent, the same bank, they bank with someone who, who allows us to access the data electronically. The consumer feels comfortable with utilizing technology mm -hmm. for us to verify certain things. Are they also the same bucket of people who go underserved? Or are those people already the people who have great credit scores? Yeah, they're great, so I don't even They, they already have low DTIs, right? right? They, they already are putting skin in the game. So theoretically, 
This whole positive rent payment history added to DU risk assessment, which by the way, it's what it says mm -hmm. right here on the piece of paper I'm reading it off of. I think it's sizzle without substance. I don't think that in itself is going to help that many people. Now, if you're a consumer advocate, you're going to tell me, Dustin, one extra person helped is worth it. And guess what? I wouldn't argue with you. I wouldn't argue with you, but I also would not take to my TikTok account and my Instagram account, and my Facebook account, and my LinkedIn account and start screaming into the high heavens on top of my perch about how awesome this enhancement is. Mm -hmm. This is a, oh, by the way, oh, by the way, if I get stuck in a corner, I'm going to throw some shit against the wall to see what sticks. And this may be the shit that sticks. You shouldn't lead with this. This shouldn't be no. something you lead with. No, like I'm reading, I'm reading through here. Ready? In order to use positive rent payment history added to DU risk assessment. By the way, again, we are in mid-August. This doesn't even transpire till late September. Mm -hmm. The borrower must be a first-time homebuyer. The borrower must have been renting for at least 12 months. Ooh. Mm. What if they're renting with, they're staying home with mom and dad for three months, they've only been renting for nine. Right? Because right? if, if your lease is up, in three months, this is when you should be looking for a home. Right. You don't right. start looking for a home when your lease has already expired. Yeah, yeah, it's a process. The borrower's rent payment must be $300 or more per month. Okay, that's all well and good, but how about this? What if John Coleman pays rent, but you pay rent to Dustin Owen? Dustin Owen's name is on the lease, and I just rent you a room. Mm. Oh. Damn. And what if you Venmo me? Oh. Sometimes you pay me cash. Sometimes you pay me two months in advance. Mm. Right? Some curveballs being thrown in that all of a sudden, even if I was a first-time home buyer, and even if I've been renting for 12 months, what if I can't verify it with my yeah. actual ACH? What if sometimes I go get a cashier's check? Yeah. What if sometimes you know my, my, my parents stepped up to the plate? Maybe my sister owed me money, so instead of paying me, I just had her pay my rent for me. Yeah. You know, like all of these things that transpire, these are real-life events that happen that this isn't going to solve for. Uh, the mortgage loan must be a purchase transaction. Okay, that's all. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah, what else? okay. Uh, the property must be secured as a principal residence. Okay, that's good to know. So we're not going to be doing this for, so someone can buy a second home. Mm -hmm. Here in Florida, we get all the time, my friends in New York, oh, hey, I want to buy a, a primary home in Florida. I said, oh, awesome. Like you're moving down here? No. You have a job that allows you to, I'm mean, sorry, I'm, I'm saying you're not, you're moving. Yeah. yeah. You, you moving down here? Yeah, yeah, I moved, moved down here. I'm like, okay, what do you do for a living? Mm. Right, that's my next question. You're buying a primary home. What do you do for a living? And they tell me, I'm like, well, is your employer going to transfer you down here? No. Okay, well, do you have a job that you can work from home full-time all the time, not just during COVID? No. Mm. Well, why is it a primary home? Because I've never owned a home before. I'm like, no, it's still a second home. Right. It's still a second home. Right. So when I read this, the borrower, uh, the property must be secured by a by principal residence, then that's for my friends in New York. Like, no, like, I can't use that. The fact that you pay on-time rent payments in New York City, which, by the way, it's massively expensive to rent. Mm -hmm. I mean, to, to own in New York. So, of course, you probably rent. But you, the home that you purchased down here is going to be a second home, and I can't use your rent payments to help you qualify. Mm -hmm. And then I have um, the big one, right? Here's the big one. Well, the borrower must have a credit score. No. Okay, okay duh. Yeah. Uh, the lender must obtain a VOA verification of asset report with 12 months of bank statement data through an authorized mm -hmm. DU validation service asset verification report vendor. Damn. 
So I'm cautiously optimistic about Fannie Mae's enhancement to desktop underwriter when it talks about having a borrower and a co-borrower and we can average their two credit scores. Because I do know from 17 plus years experience, there have been a multitude, a plenitude, a plethora mm. of transactions that we are unable to, to facilitate because one spouse had a credit score below 620, one spouse had a credit score of above 620, and we couldn't qualify in just one of the spouse's names. Mm -hmm. There are many times still, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, that when we're given the situation of spouse A with high credit, spouse B with low credit, we can still drop spouse B and use spouse A. Right. There are many opportunities. But I'm cautiously optimistic. Like I said earlier, I still don't know, and we don't know, the industry doesn't know. How is mortgage insurance going to be priced? Is it going to be available? We don't know how the interest rate is going to be priced. We don't know if the interest rate price is then going to make the loan itself like not worth it. And maybe we should flip it to FHA. And we also don't know how many of these loans are going to go through desktop underwriting in and in receiving an, in an approval, an approved eligible, we call it. And what are the parameters? Like, we just don't know that. Mm -hmm. This whole positive rent payment history added to DU risk. I understand my community activists that say if it helps one person, it was well worth it. Kudos, I agree. But in totality, this is more sizzle than substance, in my opinion, because there's so many different hurdles that you have to overcome. The least of them being the property must be secured as a primary residence and the property must be a purchase transaction and the borrower must be a first-time homebuyer. Those are three pretty standard. I'm talking about what's the likelihood that the person who needs us to be able to include their rent for the sole purpose of qualifying. Because remember, you're only doing this so they can qualify. Right. There's no such thing as super qualify. You either qualify or you don't. Mm. And by by verifying your rent is going to help me uh, help you obtain a better or cheaper interest rate or a better or cheaper mortgage insurance. This is a matter of do you qualify or do you not? If you don't qualify, this is a potential trick up my sleeve that I can pull out. My fear is that the people who need that trick up their sleeve they, A, have not been renting for the past 12 months. If they have been renting, their payments to their landlord have not been, A, consistently the same and done every time for 12 consecutive months through their bank, and it was the same bank, mm -hmm. and that bank subscribes to one of these validation services that is already approved by Fannie Mae's DU. Yeah, yeah way too many hurdles. So hyperbole on the positive rent payment, cautiously optimistic on the ability to average the two credit scores together, borrower, co-borrower, in order to help more people achieve approval or pre-approval for a conventional loan through Fannie Mae to purchase a home. Well said. And stay tuned. Mm -hmm. Stay tuned. We debated whether or not to do this episode, and I figured, you know what? I wanted to wait for more information to come out, but at the same time, I had to get ahead of disinformation. Mm -hmm. So we did this to let you know what we know today. We will, we will utilize our podcast forum, YouTube, Spotify, Apple podcast, to do updated episodes as needed. I'll bring in a subject matter expert as needed, maybe like a Ben Davis type person who we had been on mm -hmm. about a year ago to really dissect self-employed income oh, yeah. as it pertained to Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, conventional financing in COVID. Yeah. Which by the way, this same release, and I didn't get into it, this same release is actually unwinding all of those changes that were made a year ago, oh, really? which is a good thing. Mm -hmm. To unwind the restrictive changes that were made during COVID 
is to make it a little bit easier for people who are self-employed to obtain financing now that, for the most part, unless you live in Texas or Florida or Missouri, um, Mm -hmm. COVID's probably behind you. The rest of us are dealing with the Delta variant like Mm -hmm. through the roof. But, hey, it is what it is. Get vaccinated. Um, I didn't say that. I did not say that, John Coleman. I don't care what you do. You do you. You love on others. You be safe. There you go. Um, But he's John Coleman. I'm Dustin Noe. And stay tuned. This is fresh information. We will do other episodes as required. If if Dennis and JC get their shit together and we finally get TLOP online launched or also the loanofterpodcast.com launched, mm-hmm. that would be a great forum oh, yeah. for us to post updates, but we'll probably end up having to do a whole entire another show about it. Mm-hmm. Probably in about six weeks. There you go. In about six weeks, we'll know the most mm-hmm. and we'll come back and do it. In the meantime, use this information to be a responsible steward to our industry. Be informed. Speak what you know and don't overpromise. He is John Coleman. I'm Dustin Owen. That's all the time we have for you today. We will catch you in the next episode. Peace.